listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hello and welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I'm your host, Giovanna Capoza, and I'm so glad that you're back joining us today. On today's show, I have a very special guest. In fact, this episode is very special. Back in 2015, I was living in Melbourne, Australia, and I started a little radio show called the Delicious Life Radio Show. And when I found out about today's guest, I had to snatch him up. I couldn't wait to have him on the show. Barry Paul Price is a dating mentor and a Coachville-trained life coach who used to help his single successful mom analyze her dates, and now he supports heart-centered six-figure female entrepreneurs to attract, date, and maintain a relationship with the man of their dreams. And if that doesn't say it all, ladies and gentlemen, the thing that got me about Barry was his tagline. His tagline says, how to date men, not boys. And when I read that, I thought, oh, wow, I know exactly what you're talking about. Ladies, am I right? For those of you listening, have you had experiences dating what I like to call the man children, right? They're either emotionally immature or emotionally unavailable somehow, or they just don't have quite their you-know-what together. You hear me? Yep, I got it. So I had to have Barry on the show. I couldn't wait to have this conversation with him about the masculine and the feminine dynamics and exactly how it is that we as women, successful, high-achieving women, can start to not only attract and date, but have a healthy, successful relationship with men and not boys. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let me know what you think in the show notes. And of course, join us in She Rises Tribe on Facebook where we can continue the conversation. Enjoy the show. Ladies, today's show is really near and dear to my heart. Number one, because it's about relationships. And number two, it's because it's one of my favorite topics to talk about this masculine and feminine energy. And, you know, really hear what I want to solidify just at the start of the call is that we're speaking about energy here. And, you know, we all have both masculine and feminine energy. And it's just wherever your deepest, most profound expression of that essence is within yourself. And it can be very individual. And look, this is beyond sexual orientation. This is beyond even gender. This is energy that we're talking here. And so we're going to be talking about how to better access this if you're a woman that would like to be tapped into this how potentially you could be stopping yourself from attracting your soulmate or the person that you want to spend your life with because of an imbalance in this area. And we're going to start to identify how to find out, you know, when am I in feminine energy? When am I using my masculine energy? What's going on? And so I'm so excited about this topic today and, of course, the guest. And let me tell you a little bit about Barry Paul Price because I've been following him for a bit and I absolutely love him and I love his work. So Barry Paul Price, who is a fellow Canadian, I have to just say that, (laughs) living in Los Angeles now, but Barry helps powerful women date men and not boys. Ladies, this is so key. Date men, not boys. Okay, we're going to be getting into this. He watched his beautiful, smart, confident, single working mom struggle with men and relationships for years. 
And so this inspired Barry to help women authentically express their needs and wants to attract their soulmate. His life coaching and male insight help women find their soulmate without losing themselves. He has delivered this message on lots of different stages and through uh, various forms of media, the message that you can have the love that you deserve. And he's shared the stage with some amazing women like Sandra Yancey and Lisa Nichols and many, many others. And he provides self-love and relationship tools for these successful women around the world who are maybe not so successful in love. So without further ado, we're going to dive into this topic. I'm going to welcome Barry to the show. And welcome, welcome. Hi, Barry. Can you hear us Thank you. Thank you, Giovanna. So welcome to the show. And as you heard me say, I'm profoundly excited to talk to you about this topic because so many women that I introduce this to are just blown away by this whole masculine and feminine energy thing. And in fact, I've got this handy little chart that I usually read off to them, which I'll share with everyone on the call today, which, you know, helps them identify if they're predominantly operating in masculine or in feminine energy. And it just never ceases to amaze me how many women, you know, I read that to and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm totally in my masculine and they don't even realize it. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about your experience, especially because you mentor a lot of really successful women, you know, executives. How do you find this manifesting? And let's just dive right into it. This is a topic we could have an entire summit, you know, a weekend, a yeah. week long, a month long kind of deep dive. So I guarantee we're just going to scratch the surface today. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure Absolutely. of that. But, we'll plan uh, the summit let's... soon because you're right. It could be a huge one. <laughs> right. And, you know, how wonderful will that be? You know, we'll get together some of the top men and the top women and just really, really have a fantastic kind of meeting of the energies and a meeting of the minds and of the hearts. You know, you're absolutely right. I serve powerful women. And... Powerful women doesn't necessarily just mean women who are imbalanced in a masculine or feminine. What I'm really doing is helping them reconnect to how powerful their feminine really is. So many times the women I come across are high achievers, successful, smart, strong, very much that, you know, I can do it on my own in many cases because they've had to at some Mm -hmm. point in their life. And the challenge is to be able to be in the side of your energy or in the side of yourself that serves you most at that moment. We can almost lose perspective in this business a little bit because the whole masculine and feminine thing, I have to remember, like you said, for some people it's a new insight or for some people it's kind of like, oh, wow, I've never really looked at it this way before. Whereas, you know, I'm like a fish that's been in water so much with this stuff that, you know, I forget that I'm in water. You know, I, That's right. I'll, You're like, I'll, duh, of course. <laughs> right. So for me, we can start to talk a little. I feel like we're getting almost too saturated with this masculine feminine thing to where in some ways we're starting to make the masculine energy some sort of villain. You know, there's some people who are starting to label them as too masculine. I was going to say something other than BS, but I don't know what the rating is on our show. So I'm not going to say I won't Go say that. Go for it. <laughs> right. Okay. So it's just, it's bullshit. Sometimes we go a little too far when we find a new area or something new. The masculine is a powerful energy to have. The feminine is a powerful energy. We just want to make sure that we're respecting both of them and we're using the side that serves ourselves at the right time. Absolutely. Such an amazing point. And I think that's why, you know, I wanted to emphasize at the start of the hour that we have both and we actually need both. And that's I love that you touched on that because that's one of the things that I have been able to or feel the need to point out in my trainings as well. Because for some people, it is such a new concept. They go into, well, it's wrong for me to be this way or it's bad or it's negative. And it's not. It's neither 
good, bad or anything. It just is. It's just energy. And like you said, knowing when to be in masculine energy versus feminine energy and you need both and they're both beautiful and powerful and serve. And yeah, it's a great point that you bring up because we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and just be one over the other. We need both. But you know, that brings up the topic of, you know, how did we get here to begin with? Like, how did women get to the place where we predominantly, some of us have had a history or do now operate in more a masculine tendency? And, you know, mm-hmm. what's the cost of that in terms of relationships? So if you could speak to that. Right. How much time we got? Oh, we got lots of time. <laughs> because we Go could for do, it. Because we could do the long version and the short <laughs> version on those ones. I mean, look, so many things that I watch in dynamics relating between men and women and women in their own relationship with themselves, women's relationship with the feminine in terms of how their mom role modeled it, role modeled it and all these things, we can really look at a much bigger societal picture in this stuff. And I mean, going back to a lot of people would just quickly go to the easy answer and say, oh, well, you know, since feminism, women have been able to, you know, I think that we're, we're again, selling things short when we jump to these shorthand kind of answers. Feminism was really just a spring finally uncoiling that had been compressed for so long as women were not really being allowed to express and fully engage in the potential power that they really had for a long time. So it's not like feminism created a lot of these things. It was merely a case of, again, like a spring that was kind of loaded down, finally getting to let that potential energy out and turn it into actual energy and action. So what we found, though, is in that freeing up of that energy, women finally had the opportunity to go and kick ass, basically, out in the world in a lot of ways that had been limited and curtailed previous to that. The real thing that happened was the 70s and 80s came, and men didn't know what the heck to do with themselves. Men kind of figured, couldn't figure out who the hell we were in relation to powerful women. So now we had women who were definitely independent, capable. I mean, there were always these things, but they weren't necessarily getting to express it in their daily lives in society. But now finally getting to live it and express it in independent careers, financially independent, and all of the things that go with that in terms of freedom and aspirations and taking on challenges and self-growth. There were a lot of men who really didn't know who this made us in relation to women. Do we still open the door for you? Are we going to get growled at? You know, so do we stop opening the door? Well, now we're not being. So men didn't really have a movement. So men were kind of lost. We didn't have an owner's manual for ourselves. And as such, the 90s became a really interesting time where men began to be separated from their own masculinity to a degree. And Dr. Robert Glover also has a great book called uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy about how in the 20th century, that tradition of ancient times where little boys would go out with their male elders and go hunting or farming or whatever it was and work with them all day in the fields, go fishing, whatever, whatever the situation, they would get all this masculine role modeling. But by that 20th century with the Industrial Revolution, people working in factories and offices, dad was gone all the time. And you were either in a classroom with mainly female teachers until the time you were well into your teens and mom at home. So the masculine role modeling already had been kind of gradually decreasing for men. And then we get to that point where women really step up in expressing their power and going into a lot of masculine workplaces, having to put on a masculine energy in order to fit in and achieve in those environments because the corporations were kind of masculine, goal-oriented, directive. Everything was very narrow, like, hey, here are your four achievables today, you know, all this sort of thing, mission objective type stuff. So we get to the 90s, and I always say, you know, you can watch romantic comedy movies and kind of get a sense for what the zeitgeist is at any given moment in relationships. 
by looking at who the male leads are, like what types they are. And in the 90s, we had these guys who were kind of the wussified men. We had the Hugh Grants were taking over, right? The guys who were like stammering and unsure of themselves. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what are you? Uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, whatever. <laughs> like, final dudes who, by the end of the day, you didn't even, you know, guys would be watching and have no respect for the guy on the screen. And I think the pendulum swung that way. As we got into the last 10 years, increasingly there were calls and cries for like, where are the men? Where have the men gone? And not hearkening a return to restrictive men, oppressive men, chauvinistic men. We're not talking about going back to masculine, feminine, Stepford wise. But really getting to a point where men are, you know, what we'll get into a lot today, what the masculine is today and what a good match is for a powerful woman. But, you know, Hannah Royzen wrote a fantastic book a couple of years ago, and she writes for The Atlantic. She's also, you know, got a lot of good stuff on gender and masculine, feminine and dating relationships. And her book was called The End of Men. And the statistics are mind-blowing. The direction that things are going are mind-blowing in terms of women stepping up and evolving at a level that men simply are having a little trouble keeping up. And the Dalai Lama himself, you know, has said that Western women are, you know, his hope for who will save the world at this point. So women are definitely more in their power than ever before in history, certainly in our culture. And the trouble is how are men coping with it? Now, that doesn't mean that it's up to us finding the one rare dodo bird that's not extinct or, you know, that one, where is the rare man? (laughs) For a second there, I was starting to think like, oh, my gosh, Barry, like, you know, (laughs) it does sound like a dodo bird. (laughs) Sounds, oh, no, we're done. No. You know, wisdom comes from the strangest places. Sometimes it's grandma or someone like that. But I had a friend in college who was a DJ of all things. He'd play, you know, I love pop culture stuff. You can learn way more by actually observing real people sometimes than by reading a million abstracts and academic studies. So I would go to his gigs at these nightclubs. And he would invariably play Madonna at the beginning of the night. He would pack the dance floor. It would be all women. And I'd go to him and I'd say, why is it you only play Madonna at the beginning of the night? You know, none of the guys go out and dance. And he goes, Barry, I don't care if the guys come out and dance. Because if I can fill the dance floor with women, invariably the guys will have to show up. Awesome strategy. (laughs) So my strategy and what I do is I help women change in the ways that they need to change to fully connect and express their feminine so that they feel safe being powerful and in their feminine and connected to men in a way that inspires those men to show up supportive, in-service, balanced themselves. So we change the women, right, and the women change ourselves so that Mm -hmm. the men can show up. By the way, you may notice I sometimes weirdly, I'll slip in and out of saying us and ourselves when I talk about women, It's a holdover of growing up with an older sister and a single mom, and (laughs) we talk about it all the time. So it would always be like, oh, you know, guys are like this, and if we just, you know, so I sometimes put them in that loop. Well, hey, I think it's perfect, though, because it helps us us, us relate. But, you know, awesome points. I mean, so many amazing points that you brought up there. And you're right. Like, we could just go on and on and on with this topic so many times. But I think it really is this, it's changing the paradigm. And so many women have gotten lost or given up and just think like, where are the men? Just like you said. And it's this differentiation. And I love that this is where your passion, my passion is and what we teach, because 
it's a differentiation between power versus force, right? And so force is something that's more of like a masculine energy to it, right? And power actually is innately feminine. And so what I have seen and found and both with myself personally and even with clients is this almost this feeling that we know we have this deep sense of power within us, but it's this feeling almost that it needs to simmer down or it needs to just not be so powerful in order for us to be in a relationship. And there's this whole thing about sort of self-sacrifice. And so you get the one women at, or one at the end of one spectrum, which is like, forget it. I don't need a man. You know, I'm not sacrificing that part of myself. I'm not losing myself in relationships again, because that's historically been what they have seen modeled or had to do versus the other women that go in and it's just insidious. You don't even realize it's happening. And before you know it, you're sort of dimming your own light because unfortunately you're with a man or with a boy and not a man. So I would love for you to share with the audience what the traits of a boy are versus uh-huh. a man, because I know <laughs> I that I personally have dated a lot of boys in the past and, mm-hmm. and some men, but I would love to hear from you. What is the difference between a boy and a man? And maybe they should redo the song, Mama, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys, and just say Grow Up to Be Boys. <laughs> I, right. I do a full 90-minute on this one, so I'm gonna, I'll try to condense it as well as yeah. I can. Yeah, try to condense condensed well milk here. <laughs> okay. So condensing that, traits of boys, just to be very clear, and I also have an assessment of this, a 50-question thing on it, but to hit the main points, one of the ways you can define a boy very quickly is, you know, he's the Peter Pan. He's that guy that emotionally hasn't wanted to fully grow up, and he's really spending his time kind of trying to stay safe emotionally in his teenage years. So the outward traits kind of become fairly obvious, and you can kind of spot those traits fairly quickly because he's not holding up his end of things. You know, you're making the decisions. You know, he probably doesn't have his finances sorted out and isn't stable. Uh, he's probably not emotionally available. He doesn't follow through. He doesn't challenge himself. It goes on and on. And mm-hmm. sometimes the effort to avoid having to date another boy, having to feel like someone's mom for the 500th time, women will mistake a man for the opposite. I mean, they'll look for the opposite. Right? They'll be like, let me try to find a guy who seems super confident, super put together, super masculine. And they'll literally get fooled, again, by going for what's called the hostile masculine, the guy who's maybe not confident, but arrogant confident, almost tries to be a little swagger and domineering and stuff. But literally, it's a thin veneer that's hiding his own insecurity, right? Go see Fifty Shades of Grey or read the the books. I wouldn't wish that on anyone because they're horribly written, but they do tap (laughs) that desire to find a confident man who's worthy of surrendering into. But what you find over the course of those books is by the end of it, he's insecure, he's afraid of women, he feels he'll be consumed by women and controlled by women, so he has all of these things he's trying to deal through by acting super confident and in control and dominant and all this manly stuff that's bullshit, unfortunately. So, end of the day, I think it serves us better always to focus on what we're looking for and what we want than what we want to avoid, because otherwise we'll just spend time in the negative. So, let me just quickly, I'll list the five traits And you may have actually listened to the training I did, the five M's to tell the right man from the wrong boy, so how to tell men from boys. But I'll just list the five M's quickly. So the first M that signifies that it's a man is maturity. He demonstrates maturity, and there are different types of maturity, emotional, social maturity, like what kind of people do you hang out with, spiritual maturity, financial maturity. 
That's the first one. The second one is, does he have a mission? Uh, boys tend to have jobs that really they're not that emotionally invested in. It's not important to them what they do for a living. They're clocking a paycheck or playing online poker or something. But when a guy has a mission, it's deeply meaningful and in alignment with who he is. You know, I think every woman can respect a guy who's a fireman or trying to do UN work to save children in Africa, or, you know, something deeply purposeful, because this is a guy who has a mission. This leads to, you know, number three, the masculine. So in the masculine, it's, again, we've touched on that. We're going to get much deeper into that, so I won't get too into it here, but it's that idea of polarity. You know, he's able to have both sides, but he's able to be, you know, goal-oriented. He's able to really make decisions, feel empowered in that side of himself, and not be intimidated by someone else who has a developed masculine because his is underdeveloped. The fourth M is myself, as in I know myself. I know who I am, right? I have convictions. Boys generally don't know who they are, because they've never had challenges in their life. So they've never overcome things to have conviction. So when a man knows exactly who he is, he knows what he stands for. He knows what's important to him. He knows what his values are. These are the kind of guys who are able to say to you, my family comes first. I will do anything for my family. And they'll say it with a high level of conviction. The thing about a guy who really knows himself is he's able to set boundaries with his partner in a way that she actually really respects that he has that level of conviction because it's not coming from a place of him disrespecting her or denying her anything. It's just coming from him knowing who he is and what's important to him. So he can say no lovingly in a way that's respectful because it's about who he is. And then the final thing is, you know, the M is maybe he makes you feel safe, right? So he makes you feel like you know he's got your back. You know he's there. He's there emotionally, financially, physically. You know, he's there to step in if you need something. So those are my five M's. If people want to get into the full deep dive on it, I think the last training I did online is at Webinar Replay 23. So what would it be? DateMenNotBoys.com slash Webinar Replay numbers 23. So Webinar Replay 23, cool. and then okay. they can watch the whole, whole deal. Yeah, we'll look that up and actually we'll uh, include that in the replay mailer that goes out because that would be really great. So, you know, this leads me to, you're a man sharing this with me. Obviously, I'm sitting here listening to this going, yeah, yeah, of course, like, absolutely. And I work with a lot of women that get to this place where they are, they're fed up, they're tired. You know, as you said, they've got other, you know, what together in the rest of their life. And this wait, 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 hold on. falling oh, no. short. Why, why are you encouraging me to, to, to use this language and you won't? That's not all right. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, see. I'm I'm trying to be too ladylike here. So they've got their shit together in the rest of their life, right? But That's anyways, applause. here's the, what's that? That's applause. I'm clapping for that. Awesome, awesome. We're totally encouraging swearing here. But anyways, that's okay. But hey, it's my show. I can swear if I want to, right? <laughs> so I have these women. They come and they're like, you know, I have this going on. I have this going on, and. This seems to be working and this seems to be working and this area is always falling short. And this is beautiful, like these five M's, maturity, mission, masculine, myself, makes you feel safe. It's gorgeous, amazing. And then I bring it back to if you want all these things and women do this a lot, it's like, well, I've made the list. You know, I, I said that I wanted this and I, I said that I wanted this and they, they've done all that. But then I always bring it back to where are you showing up as these things, right? And I know that's one of the things that you also talk about and teach about and preach about because it's like, well, we can say that we want these five M's, but at the end of the day, how are we showing up? So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I could talk a little or a lot. I'll try to keep this one short too. <laughs> so 
Yeah, it always comes back to us. And we forget that the guy is a choice, too. So if he's all these awesome things, he probably has a few people who'd love to date him. So you've got to bring something to the party. And it tends to be that the people we attract are either a reflection of us because they're similar or they perfect teeth to fit our wound, meaning they are the exact uh, person to antagonize exactly what we're fearful of. So, yeah, we have to always start with ourselves. Marianne Williamson has a, a fun little thing that she did in one of her live talks where she has people visualize, you know, and think about their Christmas list, as it were, of traits that they want in the ideal man. She's like, oh, he's tall, he's handsome, he's well off, he's all these things. And she's like, okay, now why would he want you? <laughs> That's Beautiful. the thing. And then she lets it sit. <laughs> and the truth is, if you're single and you don't have the guy that you have a list of, Either your list is wrong, right? You're deluding yourself. That's not really your ideal guy. You need to change the list and he'll show up. Or you need to look at whether you are being the woman that is the right match for this person. I don't suggest you ever try to change in anyone you're not. You've got to be authentic, but we all want to be the best version of who we know we really are. The majority of my work is really about reconnecting you to who you really are without fear of men. Powerful women more than anyone I know have a massive fear of not being safe with men. And the thing is, it's well-founded because invariably they've been hurt or wounded. Usually there's some wounds growing up, probably in childhood. There's a guy that crossed boundaries or dad was an angry alcoholic or mom didn't speak up for her needs or something really unpleasant was going on. And that's putting it mildly. <clears throat> so we learn how do I need to act to be strong, to at least get dad's attention or love or respect if I'm not going to get love? How do I make sure no one fucks with me? How do I make sure that I really can take care of myself and not get hurt, not get crushed? So at the end of the day, it's a protective mechanism and it's a dang good one and it makes sense. If we're sane, we don't want to be hurt. Nobody on this earth wants to have their heart hurt and torn out. So when we get out into these relationships and we're protected, we have those kind of iron doors of the heart they're closed. It won't let hurt in, but it also won't let love in because we stop letting people really get intimate with us. And we'll either do it by keeping them at arm's length through not needing others for things or at least putting that vibe out. Even though we say one thing, we're not acting that way. Like mm -hmm. the client of mine who wasn't getting dates until I explained to her through some role play that she wasn't creating a scenario where the guy could even picture himself in her life. She would talk about how great everything was in these trips she enjoyed taking with her mom. And he'd, they'd be like, okay, that's awesome. I hope you enjoy it. No room and for me. She started to pull back. Yeah, no room for no. I don't see where I fit in. Men want to somehow see where they fit in. So she began to pull it back and be like, yeah, you know, I love taking these drives up the coast to San Fran on the PCH at the top down. And the, you know, it would be even more fun if I was sharing it with the, the view with another person. Suddenly she starts getting asked out. So, this protectiveness that I can do it all on my own, it's a great way to feel safe, but you'll gradually be drained because you're doing all the doing. You're not getting the support. You're not receiving. You're doing all the giving and taking care of stuff. So what do we need to do? We need to look at ourselves. We have to start by looking at ourselves, though. How are we protecting? What are the subconscious fears that are coming up? And for instance, do we really need control? Powerful women, in my experience, tend to either want control in the relationship to create certainty, because that feels safe. Of course mm -hmm. it does, and of course we want that if we've been hurt. Or they'll do the exact opposite and not date a guy who they're settling for, who they can control, because they lose respect for them anyway. They'll get attracted to the bad boy or the guy who has chemistry or who they know is bad for them. The exact opposite, because they're looking for that excitement and uncertainty now.
So do I have to be with a boring, nice guy, or am I always going to be with guys who um, don't call me back eventually, they're unavailable, they cause me anxiety, I think I'm going to be abandoned? And either way, it's like choosing between two horrible options. Do I want to be shot or nice? And then eventually it's like I'm not even going to date. And so then you wander into the desert and feel lonely until you can't take it anymore, and you choose one of those options again. So it's like do I want to die of thirst or drink the poison water? You know, either way, yeah, absolutely. These, these things don't work. So we've got to start by looking at ourselves and releasing the things that are causing, causing this to happen. Yeah, perfect. I mean, and it is true. You get to this point where you're always spinning the same story. You don't even know that you're doing it. It's unconscious, but you're spinning the same story. And like I say, like you keep recycling the same guy or you keep recycling the same relationship. And, mm-hmm. you know, I see this happening on the other end too with men because I've talked to a lot of men who unfortunately have been wounded by women, you know, so like women sit on the whole, well, There's been a long history of men sort of repressing women and all of this stuff. And even in our society as women, for right from a young age, we're actually taught to fear men. We're just, it's taught. So we've got to overcome this plus all of our life things. And then I see from the other side, the men that I talk to, how they have had horrible experiences and they have this whole thing about women, you know, and how women are and, and all this thing. So it really just all of that to say, that it boils down to men or women, whatever, whoever you are, whatever spectrum you're on, is that you've got to take it back to yourself. You've got to do the deep work. And like you said, getting into that authentic place, like what is authentically you? Who are you authentically? And then growing and nurturing that because everything else comes from that. And you can't get anywhere unless you look at that place. So that's, yeah, it's beautiful. I love that you yeah. touched on that. Or wait for men to change. Could be waiting a while. Yeah. We, Not we that there aren't some men to do, but, you know, when I got into this space, I actually started out by, I wrote a book and was working on coaching men, okay? especially men who needed to build self-confidence. And I spoke to so many people in these relationship, love, and dating fields that were like, over 95% of the people in this space are female, of the customers, the people willing to be led. So at a certain point, you think back, you go, let me play Madonna and get the girls on the dance floor, and then the guys can figure it out or be alone. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I love it. And I love Madonna. So it's fantastic. (laughs) Well, let's talk about her just for a split second. There is a great example of a woman who didn't dim her light, did not worry about whether men could handle her. Didn't. I mean, look, she was provocative and we've got to also be able to separate how much of it is for the persona for the brand and marketing and selling records versus who she really is in private, which probably none of us know, but certainly someone who has a fierce feminine as well as a strong developed masculine and is able to use both. Yeah, absolutely. And really, I think the biggest thing for me, part like mostly because it's been part of my own journey coming up into this, but in all the women I see is to like not go outside of yourself to define who you are, not go outside of yourself to, to get, you know, it's almost this energy I see in a lot of women where it's like, you know, go out on a date with a guy and, you know, I ha- I've, I've had this conversation with male friends of mine and they actually feel it on the other end where the woman, you know, goes out on a date with a guy and it's like immediately sizing him up as to where he's going to fit into her life and how he's going to be mm-hmm. good for her and serve her. And yeah. so coming from this attitude of like that whole Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately, right? As yeah. opposed yeah. to really working on yourself and seeing, you know, what do I have to bring to this? Like, where's my awesomeness? How can I serve? Right. How can I share? How do I fill my own cup? 
look, there's nothing less attractive than someone with unmet needs wanting their needs met by you. I mean, everyone's what, what does anyone respond to better? Walking into a store where someone lets you kind of browse and then says, hey, if you need anything, let me know. Right? Or says, oh, you know, by the way, these are on sale, and this is or someone who runs right up to you and is clearly trying to get you to buy something because they'd like to make a sale out of you. We can feel it all over uh, someone when they want something from us. Mm-hmm. So this idea of it's also about attachment, being non-attached to the outcome, because always stems back to the fear. I'm afraid I'll end up alone. I'm afraid I'm not lovable. I'm afraid I'm not good enough. When am I going to find a guy who actually will want me? So then when that person meets somebody – they're already looking for all of these cues. They're either in that fear and they're looking for hints whether he's going to stay or be interested, or they're thinking into the future. Like, oh, this guy, he got a day job and I wanted a guy who was rich and owned his own business because I'm going to end up having to buy myself my own vacation home because he can't. This is a guy you just met. Right now it's just Doug who you shook hands with. <laughs> not right. man. You're not planning to buy a vacation home. So that attachment to outcome starts to make us takers and wanters and, you know, the Santa Claus, gimme, 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 making the list, as opposed to showing up just being so much of who you are and so joyful and loving, connected and self-accepting that you shine, that you are absolutely glowing in a way that's irresistible because they're going to then show up with what they have to offer and what they do well. I mean, that's ultimately what you want to be able to do. That's what you want to be able to do. Yeah, cultivating that inner relationship with yourself. And, you know, you brought up Marianne Williamson. There was a another live stream that she just recently did that I was watching. And it was this whole, you know, she's having a conversation with this woman. And it was about, you know, these guys I keep meeting and they're like this and they're like that. And she empathized with her to a degree. But then she made the comment of like, nobody is here for your personal use. Like nobody is here to fulfill your right. needs. Right? right. And I loved that. Right. I mean, you can try to pay someone for that. But, I mean, this is where we get into this transactional type of relating. It's not soulmate love. Get honest with yourself. You're looking for a soulmate or you're looking for a trade partner where it's like, you know what, I want certain things out of them because I don't have that. And, you know, in return, expect them to want something. I have clients who are working through lifelong patterns where they've been too valued too quickly for their looks or for sex. And so it's like, well, what do I do about that? moment of self-doubt where I've started seeing someone and how soon do I sleep with them? And if I flinch, if I worry that he won't stay interested, I will try to offer that as value before I feel like all of the sides of me are honored and ready for that. doesn't mean there's anything. I don't really care whether somebody has sex on a first date, a fifth date, a 50th date. What matters is that you are absolutely in alignment with every part of you being ready for that, not just the part of you that's in a rush to feel connected or reassured that there's a connection when maybe the inner child inside of you still doesn't feel safe entirely or the protector and responsible side of you still would judge you for it and have misgivings. When we're ready, we have all of those sides of us. We're a whole person going into these kinds of things. It's just amazing what any part of us that's an unmet need or a fear, any slight uh, deficiency or gap in us is going to create a landmine in the relationship that will sooner or later blow up in our face. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a friend of mine I was speaking to recently learned from this, you know, group that he was in and and what they referred to it as is void summoning. So basically, you're calling someone in from a place of a void within you, like you said, you know, the teeth Mm -hmm. that match the wound. And so it's so important to understand yourself, know where you're coming from. Like, are you coming from the archetype of the inner child? Are you coming from the archetype of the prostitute or the martyr? Or like, what is coming out of you? What are you putting out there to try and get filled as opposed to 
sort of filling it for yourself. And I wanted to go into a little bit you know, we're at, uh, we're almost at 20, just under 20 minutes before the end of the hour. And we do have some people on the line. By the way, just before I get into the next question with Barry, if you do have a question for either Barry or myself, it is star two on your phone or on your Skype keypad. And that gets you in line. So I do see quite a few people on the line. If you have any questions, we're going to be pausing close to the end. And it's star two, either on your phone or Skype keypad. And what that does is it raises your hand. And I see that you're in line and ready to ask for a question. So We'll get to you when we pause. So star two, you can start pressing that right now and it'll get you in line. So where I wanted to go next with this is this idea of the soulmate, you know, and there's been so many definitions of the soulmate or the twin flame or all these airy fairy things. And, you know, your soulmate's supposed to push your buttons and make you crazy. And then, no, your soulmate's supposed to be total bliss and blah, blah, blah. What is your definition of soulmate love? Here we go. First of all, overused word. It's overused because there are insufficient words to describe it. And here's yeah. why. You know, when I was considering this interview, and I always do prep and, and I sort of think about stuff, and I was reading through some of your blog posts and your stuff, and you had done one recently on the list of which energy someone's in, masculine versus feminine. And just okay. going through it, it really occurred to me how often we get sucked into looking at this entire area, whether it's masculine versus feminine or soulmates entirely through a very masculine context because simply by always wanting to define to create these clear delineated labels to narrow down to use words to lock in and specify it's all very masculine energy and we're trying to use masculine energy to figure out a feminine and masculine balance part of ourselves soulmates to figure out what is feminine and masculine but let's do it through masculine process and definition so I feel like, and notice I say I feel, not I think. To a certain <laughs> I did know. I did notice that you said that. By the so, way, <laughs> you can also drive yourself crazy watching yourself too much with this stuff. So, <laughs> and you know exactly what I mean when I say that. So we don't want to overdo it. You know, one of my big things with clients is I want you to learn all of these things like dance steps that you don't have to think about later. That you can just forget right. about all this stuff and just be you. But in terms of the feminine versus masculine or soulmates, it's really important that we just start to honor that part of what is feminine is to be in an evolving organic sense of yourself, to be in connection with just what you're feeling about it, what your sense of your being is rather than a label, rather than am I currently doing this word or this word? And even in setting up feminine and masculine as feminine versus masculine traits, it's an extremely masculine anti-confrontational psychology that we're using, even to do that. Very true. To consider this definition of soulmate, you know, I think it works so much better to not do it from inside the masculine viewpoint of the definitions because that's restrictive and reductive. I think you want to let that flow and live entirely through the feeling of that. So feeling your way into, sort of like in, uh, in Calling in the One, Catherine Woodward, who does a lot of work, but I find her work is what I would consider balanced more towards the feminine side of the spectrum in her process. Whereas I tend to try to be balanced into kind of both and do a lot of structure stuff as well as is that sort of, I guess you could call it new agey, but that's almost disparaging now. I don't think of it as such, but some do. But this idea of feeling what you would feel like around your soulmate and finding how that feels in your body and in your emotions, as opposed to checklists, which is like very much the masculine, like make a list of the traits. But if we go too far that way, God knows, I know a lot of yoginis and new agers who have trouble bringing any masculine energy into the stuff they do. So they're all flowy energy, but don't get anything done. 
like no results. They don't earn money. They can't meet a guy. They can't do earthly stuff. So it's about balancing both those energies. But so to answer your question, the feminine side of understanding a soulmate is really feeling your way into what that would feel like to be around them. I recently gave a client a task of, because she was very in her masculine energy, it was, okay, so close your eyes and think of the way you will feel and want to feel around your soulmate. And if you've never experienced it, because that's a common problem, but I don't know what it'll feel mm-hmm. like. Never been around it. Go back to, like, if safe is one thing, go back to a person you felt safe around and locate that vibration and you how it feels when you felt safe. And then imagine being that in the presence of the masculine if you were there. You don't have to be able to picture his face, but just if the masculine were in the room with you and still feeling safe. And then do that with whatever other feelings you want to have with your soulmate. So there's basically a blueprint, a thumbprint that's familiar to you of how it feels in a soulmate presence. That's one way to do it. That's working more through the feminine energy. There are other ways to do it, but we only have a certain amount of time. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And actually, it reminds me of this awesome audio that I often email to clients of mine. And it's actually a snippet of a seminar with Abraham and Esther Hicks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what she's basically doing is she's literally going through all of that. So she's saying things like, it feels easy. It feels Mm -hmm. light. It feels flowy. (laughs) It feels fun. It feels this. And I walk people through that. And so thank you for bringing that up. That's amazing. And what I'll do for those of you listening is I'll include that little clip as well in the replay. But it is, it's about getting into that feeling and stuff. And I love that you pointed out about the whole looking at it from the masculine paradigm, because That is the way our brains, analytical side of our brain is the quote unquote masculine kind of side, right? The analytical structure, I need a chart, you know, all that stuff. And so that has its merits as well. But especially because we are dealing with women and speaking about women and femininity, it is important to get into that feeling. And so many women, and this is why the whole feeling thing is important. So many women are so caught in their head that they're not even in their body. And so even to Mm -hmm. say the I Mm -hmm. feel... It's like such a process I find to take some women through to get them embodied, to get them in their body where they can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I feel. (laughs) Right. You know what? I'm sure you'd probably agree with us from the sense that I get from times we've talked and the stuff of yours that I I love reading and watching, listening to. But quickest way to to make that move, dance. Just dance. Yeah. Put on some music (laughs) and dance and dance without it having to be a certain way or look a certain way. Dance without self-judgment. Pretty fast way to start getting into some flow and spontaneity. It's hard to think five steps ahead and be logical in your dancing. It's more spontaneous flow. So it's really good for the feminine. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my key first kind of tip and ingredient, and especially anything that gets your pelvis moving and your hips moving as a woman, you know, even for men, too, if they want to connect into yeah. that. Would- Elvis was a heartthrob because women could feel how in touch he was not only with that masculine, but that feminine. Yeah, Elvis the pelvis, that magical... Exactly. It's so true. So true. So I have another question for you. Where do you find, because we talked about this protective shell and we talked about this sort of like, I call it misindependent syndrome, which is like, screw you, I don't need you kind of thing. And so we talked about that. Where do you see the biggest, most repeated sort of faux pas or block in this whole idea of being in your feminine versus your masculine and how it relates to finding a soulmate? Wow. Okay, well, a couple things. First of all, when you said what you said about the screw you, I don't need you, I was like, oh, that, right away my coaching brain goes, okay, that's two coaching sessions because we're going to coach around the I don't need you, but the screw you is a whole other thing. That's like another. So there's Do you two, see how you know, our brains are? So that's interesting there. You know, one of the biggest blocks is 
if you're going to be strong and powerful and just an incredible woman, which every woman I've ever met has that in her, how are you going to not need people, but then at the same time admit you need help? How are you going to receive what you need if you're busy not needing? How do you drop the I don't need anything or the independence or that strength long enough to get vulnerable in a way that doesn't feel unsafe? I had a, a woman come in about a year ago, owned multiple businesses, super strong character, tended to you know, be in control in relationships, very outspoken, and she was absolutely creating safety and certainty by being in control and dating down. But she said herself, when I got a testimonial from her much, much later, when she was with a guy, she'd been with them, and now they're in love, and, and she's like, he's a real man, and all this great stuff. And she said, I never would have thought when I came into the coaching that safety was an issue. And I would have said, I don't have, that's not an issue, not feeling safe. Right, because she was strong. Her self-identity, I'm strong, I'm powerful. I keep myself safe. I'm fine. I'm not afraid. I'm not vulnerable. So the very identity that you have because you don't feel safe is going to convince you that you don't have the problem you have. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing that she came back with that personal realization within herself because, well, it took you know, coaching, but yeah, she's, she's well, no, 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 I, I do. Yeah, exactly. After the coaching that it's amazing that that's the awareness she came to because yeah. we do yeah. this. And, you know, for me personally, you know, I had the misindependent syndrome. I was that person. And so, you know, of course you pick it out really easily in other people, but yep. There's such a beautiful place when you can actually get real with and get comfortable with your own vulnerability. And one of the amazing things that I sometimes say to women and they're like, wow, yeah, it's that vulnerability is a gift that you give yourself, but it's also a gift you give someone. And it's not something you just open up to mm -hmm. whoever. It's someone has to yeah. earn the gift of your vulnerability. And that is so empowering, I think, for a lot of people to hear. And it's such a revelation because, you know, as women... Again, this one extreme to the next, like I'm going to be vulnerable and unsafe or the damsel in distress, which we, you know, we're like, nah, we don't want that. Or I'm going to go to the other end and I'm going to make myself feel safe because that's yep. the only place I can feel it from because, you know, X, Y, Z is so threatening. Right. Well, I only trust myself. And, you know, usually that's based on some pretty damn good evidence at some point. So, of course, that's, it's, well, how do I trust someone openly again now? And if we haven't healed the wound, then every time we experiment with opening up and trusting again, we attract someone who reaffirms the wound because we haven't done the work to release what caused it in the first place, so we just get reaffirmation. But I have immense respect for people who have the courage to do that kind of work, to allow themselves to go back into the basement with the flashlight and look at these things because mm -hmm. eventually it's really easy to stand underneath the 50-floor building with the little net and say, let go up there. Let go. We'll catch you. It's like easy for us down at the bottom to see. <laughs> that person at the right. top let go a bunch of times and hit the ground, and that person stepped away and didn't catch them. How do you overcome all of that? And the irony is the work that we do is precisely to help not attract people who will let you down and to precisely make sure you do feel safe enough to just let go and be able to know that good things will happen for you. But you can't let go and trust enough to do the work and get vulnerable enough to do it mm -hmm. until you've already done the work. So it's that chicken and egg thing, right? It's like which one has to come first here? Absolutely. And, you know, I just, the last point that I want to make, because it's so important, is that that whole, like, trusting yourself versus the vulnerability, like, it is two sides of the same coin because the more vulnerable or the more you can trust yourself, the more vulnerable you can be. And in accessing your own vulnerability, I have found for myself, like it's a deeper 
level of self-trust because you look back at all the places where, you know, oftentimes that person with the net down there that's screaming and then maybe they pulled it away at the last second. Yeah. That was yeah. us. That was we self-abandoned. We gave oh, up yeah. something. And so we lose trust in ourselves and then we oh, close up yeah. the vulnerability vault, right? Yeah. But it all goes back to us. And I just I love myself. that. Sometimes it's things that we mistakenly believe belong to us, and we have to give that back to someone. Say that was their fear, that was their non-acceptance. It wasn't really me. It's not my fault. And sometimes it is something we're judging and beating ourselves up for, and we need some self-forgiveness and compassion. But we can be extremely harsh with ourselves, being that masculine drill sergeant with ourselves. Suck it up. I don't have time to feel this way, or I don't want you know stop sniveling kind of thing. Or maybe we were shushed growing up, and so we shush ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Barry, I would love to have you on again. This was like I said, I could talk to you for another five hours. I know, it's so awesome. I know. It's like a five, we can do a five-part series. Thank you, and it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to be of service, especially to a powerful woman. Oh, thank you so much. And again, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to sherisespodcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 